people might not even realize how much stuff is globally sourced and produced. I think people go into the store and they just, they're grabbing stuff off the shelf. They're buying components and, and not many people are looking at where, where does that come from? Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla 76 Made in America. When someone says that, they often say it with a sense of pride. It's a term that's traditionally been associated with quality and reliability, but it's also a term with some layers to it. So what exactly does made in America mean? And in an era when many companies are rethinking the benefits of offshoring their manufacturing operations, does Made in America now come with an even stronger meaning? My guest today will dive into all of this. Let me introduce him. Brandon Acker purchased Titan Abrasive Systems from his uncle in 2013 after having spent five years at Titan learning the ins and outs of the business. Since then, he has been in the process of completely redesigning and upgrading the entire product line. As president of Titan Abrasive, Brandon oversees the design and manufacture of the company's complete line of blast room and blast machine products for industrial applications. Brandon is passionate about American manufacturing, the jobs it creates, the quality produced, and the bright future that lies ahead. It's why he sources made-in-the-USA components for all Titan's blast cleaning equipment. Brandon holds a Bachelor of Science degree from Arizona State University. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Um, and then Brandon, let, let's just open this up with a question that may seem very simple on the surface, but it's got a lot of layers to it, as I think our listeners will, will find out today if they're kind of not already thinking that way. Um, what exactly does made in America mean? That is a... Uh... That is a good question. Um, and I think it, it can mean it's di different things to different people and different levels of it. To me uh, and, and to us, Titan as a company, Made in America is you know, making as, as much of the products as we can in the country. To us, it means you know, good quality, you know, better quality product, you know, keeping, keeping jobs here stateside. Um, to others, it can mean different things that the levels of Made in America to us, when we're, when we're made in America, we're, we're, we're going all in. We're, um, we're manufacturing as, as much of the components as we can or sourcing as much of the components as we can here, here in the U.S. Um, e even for us, it's, it's almost impossible to go 100%. Um, there are a couple, couple small you know, electrical components and things that just are not, cannot locate them here in the States. Um, but I know for, for some other companies, there's a kind of a gray area on the, on the made in America or uh, assembled in the United States, um, assembled in the United States from globally sourced uh, components, um, engineered in the United States, but then it's manufactured elsewhere. 
Um, so there, there's a couple, the, the wording of it's a little tricky. Um, and I'd say when people, when you're looking at product labels, you'll see that sometimes it'll say made, made in the U.S., uh, you know, or assembled in the U.S. from global components. Um, we're, we're pretty much all made in the U.S. If it's, uh, you know, we're making as much as we can here, we're assembling it here. Um, so, for, so for us, it, it, it's a big deal. It's a lot of work and it's what, um, you know, we stand behind it because we, we believe in it and we like, we like what, it, uh, what it adds and want to bring that back to what, what used to be, what the U.S. used to be, you know, decades ago, where it was people knew like, hey, if it's made in the U.S., that, that's a good quality product. Um, and I think that the rest of the world knew that and people bought, you know, from from the U.S. because they knew it was a good a good quality product. Um, and we're, we're hoping to keep that going. And hopefully everyone else doesn't bring more of that. Get us back to where we used to be as a country in manufacturing, I think would be good. Good for everyone. You were recently telling me about the domino effect that can occur when a company claims made in America status for their products, but then maybe they make a change somewhere along the supply chain or in their manufacturing process. Can you illustrate what that looks like? For us, in, as an example, if we're, we're manufacturing larger larger pieces of equipment that have, have many different components to them, nuts, bolts, uh, you know, electrical components um, that, that we don't obviously don't manufacture every single product ourselves in-house. Um, so if it can be, you know, a small electrical component that we buy that from a company that manufactured it here in, in the U.S., and they can be a large company, and that's why we, we chose them and purchased their product because it's made in the U.S., and if all of a sudden they decide to offshore that and take that production of that small electrical component to another country, now it affects us what they do and everyone else who buys that small electrical component because now they've now they've taken it overseas so now it's no longer a component that we can say is made in the u.s where it lowers our percentage of our components that are made in the u.s on our equipment um, so it so it has a has a big effect on everyone else by things that you can't control other companies that you're sourcing your products from that might decide to offshore um, that now those components are not available to you and puts you under the scope of a decision of, do we continue with that manufacturer and take that, that one component? If it's just, you know, uh, one of 300 components that's now sourced internationally, or is it worth us delving into trying to find another manufacturer who can manufacture that same product in the United States? Um, so it, it can into, turn into a lot of work for the manufacturer who's trying to keep that made in America thing going in, into having, having to sorthize or a different product or, you know, deal with the fact that that's now a product that you cannot claim is made in the U S. So it can, it can have a, uh, a big effect on others. And it's that one little component of something we use, but it might be something that, you know, 500 other companies use that little component. So by that, the company that makes it outsourcing it, now you've just affected 500 other companies that use your component. Um, but by outsourcing it, so that, that can be a uh, that can be a big challenge for some, and effects of you know big companies doing something that you know affects smaller companies that they might not even be thinking of when they're deciding to to offshore that product production of that product. What from your perspective, what are some of the advantages of being fully made in America as a manufacturing operation? The, the biggest advantage for us is, is, is pride, being proud of knowing that we make something here in, in the U.S. Um, what we've seen recently, and I'm sure everyone um, 
on the planet has seen this due, due to the pandemic is sourcing those products. You know, what, what can happen with us being, we're, we're affected too. We've even making our own components here in the, in, in the United States, there can still be that, that small component that that's not, that's outsourced that comes from somewhere else. And it, we've, we've been burned by, um, you know, still are here and there by affecting our lead times where we, we're producing it here. We can produce it as quick as possible. Um, but that one little component, you know, might hold up our entire large order because we're waiting for one small component to come in. So by, by controlling that and bringing as much of that into the, into the U S and keeping it um, in this country, I think it, provides much quicker lead times. You're more in control. You're closer to that product. Um, you're, the quality is a little better. Um, so that the, the sourcing part of it, I think, in, in lead times is, is a huge, huge factor. Um, I know for, for us, as well as other, other companies, other customers of ours that we have, um, recently we had a customer I know that makes a large piece of equipment that are a multi-million dollar um, piece of equipment that we're waiting for a hundred dollar electric component to come in and said like we literally have a two million dollar machine sitting on our dock to ship and we're waiting for a hundred dollar electrical component to come in and it won't work without it so we're stuck you know for months sitting there and then you have customers calling hey where is this where's our product well it's sitting here for a hundred dollar component it sounds almost foolish like why can't you just ship it but it, it doesn't work without it unfortunately and some of those components are just difficult to find um, elsewhere. So I think it's better if, if everyone gets involved and makes as much as they can in this country. I think it, it, will, it will help everyone and will help that, that supply chain and uh, getting things sourced quicker in lead times. Um, so I'd say that is by far the biggest thing and biggest thing that's affected us recently, um, as well as a lot of other manufacturers, is, is just the lead time, the lead time on things and getting... Uh, getting components and, and not knowing. Um, I know there was a, I think they've cleared it up even for the, the ports were backed up um, in China and they couldn't get, you know, boats aren't coming in. So you got a part that's going to be on a boat for a month, but the boat hasn't even left yet. So now you're like, when will it? No one knows. So it's holding up your, uh, your whole production can be a, a major, major issue. Yeah. And it's just, and other than just keeping with, with better quality, we find all the components we source in the U S we, we rarely ever have any issues with them. They just seem like they're better, better quality component um, for ours. So it makes us, you know, we, we try our best to make it as good of a quality product as we can. So we, we have to source those components. If we're not making them, we rely on others to, you know, keep up their end of the deal and make, make the best components they can. And we find when you're sourcing that in the U S that that seems to be the case, you're getting the, uh, a much better quality, quality product, quality component. Coming back around to your, your point there about the supply chain woes. And I, I I'm getting the sense from people in manufacturing who are inside of these operations and struggling with sourcing and lead times. It's, it feels like the the appeal of made in America is, is clearly on the rise again after, you know, a couple decades of a lot of offshoring happening that, that among manufacturing people, that perception seems to be on the rise again of, of the value of made in America. Do you think that the public's perception of made in America, America is also growing? Like, are we seeing that um, with, you know, end users of products uh, or is it, has that not trickled back down yet to consumers? I think it has, and I, I think that it is growing and building up more and more steam now. Um, and I, I guess that's one thing we can be thankful for the pandemic, you know, kind of kick that in and made people realize 
um, you know, the effects of not not keeping things made in your country and the the globalization of everything that do, it does have its downsides. Um, and I, I think that came to light um, in, in in recent recent times with being able to source that. Um, it kind of um, can be there's a little component of bringing it all back into the U.S. Um, I think. Uh, protective gear was a big thing that people realized, you know, when the, you know, for the, um, for the COVID and that, that when we're not making things stateside, that, that can be a, uh, a big issue when you're not all of a sudden it brought that, Hey, we can't get this anymore. Well, people might not even realize how much stuff is globally sourced and produced. I think people go into the store and they just, they're grabbing stuff off the shelf. They're buying components and, and not many people are looking at where, where does that come from? Where do all those components come from? They're just they're just used to buying it. They grab it, and I think now people are thinking more of it and, and paying attention to where where does that come from? Looking at a label and saying, "Hey, where does this product come from?" Like, "Oh, well, it's not it's all over the world." And is it going to be an issue? Um, you know, we we have a couple of small components. I know that we think of if we're getting this, will it be an issue in the future? Like, this is a new product we came out with. It uses this component. You know, everything's good now. We can get that component, but. All of a sudden, if we can't, if that's going to be a problem, now it's going to create a problem for our, our larger component in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is is growing and, and getting steam, and hopefully, uh, hopefully that continues and more more people realize that you know we're we're all better off if we do what we can to make things make things here. Um, so as, as far as how how long it'll take to get to that where we, where we want it to be back to where it was, you know, 30 years ago. I, I don't know. Could, could be a while, but at least we're, we're going in the right direction. I think there is uh, there's some awareness of it now more, more than ever. You know, there's a lot of buzz around the term reshoring in, in recent years. And you and I were talking about how, how I had um, Harry Moser from the reshoring initiative on the show a while back to talk about it. I'm just kind of curious from your perspective, do you see anything happening like at a U.S. government level or uh, supporting reshoring? Like what kind of efforts are being made to help or hopefully attempt to help uh, manufacturers kind of bring back manufacturing to the U.S.? Yeah, and I know the, the government is, I know the current administration has, has their, uh, you know, been trying to, you know, make the Buy American, um, you know, better for everyone and, and source that. I know as far as uh, we've always had that with the, we, we do a lot of business with the, with the government, with the military in particular, and they've always had a, uh, when they buy Buy American, um, and they try to buy, you know, U.S. made. And they've always had a, when they buy American, it's a, not just a hundred percent. There's a, there's a percentage of components in a system that have to be made in the United States to be under their label made in America. And that was, believe it or not, 55%, which is not in my mind, not very high. You're, you're just, you're just passing that halfway point. Um, and they have done, they've increased that. Um, to I believe it's now 60% um, with plans to increase that to 65%, I believe, by 2024 and 75% by 2029. Um, so that, that's, a, um, that, that's a big thing. That's going to be obviously, the, the, especially with the government. Government's a, a major, the largest buyer in, in the world. Um, so they, that's going to help, help other companies and help, help the American-made thing when, when they're now sourcing higher higher quantities of products made 
you know, and having a, a stricter control over that and how, how much of that product has to be made in the U.S. So I think that's going to be in. There was also uh, talk about the, 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 the labeling that made in America, people being able to put that product label where I think people were just realizing it was kind of like a trend and they could jump on that bandwagon like, hey, let's make a made American sticker and stick it on our product. And hey, now we'll sell more. We're good to go. Put it on the website. And they begin to crack down on that as well. Um, as to, you know, are people really using that? They're not just using it um, to sell, sell things, um, the advertising of it, that they're actually making those components in, in the U.S. Um, so that's been something. Um, I think there's the Buy American Act. Um, there are, I believe there's tax credits um, for, for companies for the reassuring if they're bringing, bringing jobs and bringing business back into the United States. I know there, there are tax credits available for that. Um, People even expanding their manufacturing here in the States rather than offshoring it. Um, and then as well as the opposite of penalizing people, companies that are that are offshoring. I know that's been uh, been in, in the works as well. Um, some training programs they've set up, invested some money into, uh, you know, helping to train, uh, you know, a quantity and quality of the skilled workers in our labor force, which has been an issue and an ongoing issue for manufacturing is trying to get you know, the talent, getting the people that we need to keep manufacturing going and to keeping the right people and keeping them, uh, you know, helping the trades, helping the trade schools, apprenticeships uh, and keeping keeping that going. So I know they're they're investing heavily in that as well. Um, I know we've done some work with there's some local uh, MEPs, they're called, which are manufacturing extension partnerships, uh, which are have some some funding from the government um, as well that are that are big to help businesses and particularly manufacturers manufacturers grow. Um, so that, that's a big thing as well with the government helping, helping to keep those guys going. They've been a big help to many manufacturers, including ourselves. Okay. Let's take a quick break here. I want to let a couple of our strategists at Gorilla 76 tell you about something pretty cool that we're doing right now for marketing folks in the manufacturing sector. Peyton and Mary, take it away. Yes. So I'm Peyton Warren. And I'm Mary Keough. Twice a month, we host a live event called Industrial Marketing Live. Right now, we have a group of 50 plus industrial marketers from a variety of manufacturing organizations. We meet up digitally to learn, ask questions, network, and get smarter. Every session has a designated topic, and one of our team members at Gorilla76 opens up by teaching for the first half hour or so. Topics have included how to get better at a manufacturing webinar, getting started with paid social on LinkedIn, how to optimize your website for conversions, creating amazing video content, and so much more. After we break it down, we open it up to Q&A so we can help you apply all of this in your own businesses. This is pure value, no cost, no strings attached, no product or service pitches, just a 100% unadulterated learning experience. Oh, and on top of these live sessions, We've also opened up a Slack channel where our attendees bounce ideas off each other and learn together all week long between sessions. We're building a true community of manufacturing marketing professionals here. So if you or someone at your company has the word marketing in his or her job title, please consider telling them about it. They can visit industrialmarketinglive.com to register. We'd love to see you there. I'm curious to hear your perspective on this, Brandon, because this is something I've been thinking about recently. You know, if we continue to see 
um, this sort of trend towards reshoring and yeah, I mean, government efforts to help that happen, manufacturers who are committed to bringing jobs back. But then alongside that, we keep seeing this exodus of workers from the manufacturing sector. And while we're already in, in the middle of a labor shortage, how's all this work going to get done? <laughs> that is a good question. Million dollar question. I'm hoping you have, I'm hoping you yes. have the answer that everybody's <laughs> looking for, right? <laughs> I, I wish I did. That, that is a, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. It's, we're dealing with it now, issues with it, and it's not even, we haven't even got all those jobs back. And we, we're, we're a small company compared to some of the others who can, who can reshore and bring back thousands of jobs. Um, that if, if you know, we're, we're a small manufacturer and we already have issues with our, you know, our, our labor force and getting skilled, skilled people to work to actually manufacture and produce this thing. Um, what we need, and I know that's across the board with other manufacturers that we deal with, we typically are a B2B, we sell to other manufacturers, we buy things from other manufacturers. Um, so I know that's a problem across the board in manufacturing, it's just find, finding labor. Um, and it's, I, I don't know, I don't think anyone knows what, what happened, what happened to everyone that, you know, pre-pandemic, it was, it was moving along, there, you didn't hear people having you're always issues like they do now where labor shortages and uh, it just didn't, it didn't seem to happen. Then the pandemic hit. And now all of a sudden it seems like people, people vanished. We don't have, it's not all of a sudden that all these manufacturing companies popped up. And now after the pandemic, there's, you know, 25% more manufacturers exist. I don't think that's the case. I think it's the same, same guys out there trying to do it and just lost, uh, lost their labor force. Um, so I, I don't know if anyone knows really where they went or what happened to that labor force that they're 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 not working anymore um, and not I don't think they're going going elsewhere. What industry is sucking up all those that that were in manufacturing? Um, I, I think it will be good for you know the government to invest more into that into into the uh, you know partnerships with other programs into the trades into apprenticeship trade schools. I think they need to. Uh, you know, re realize that, that it's a big, manufacturing is a big thing. It's a, it's a good paying job. It's quality product you're producing. Um, I think we had a time where everyone went to, it was more of the, the office job. The, everyone went to college and that seemed to be like a big shift of like everyone going to college. And now you have all these college people. No one wants to get into the trades. And if a bunch of, uh, you know, college kids who can't get jobs, whereas the trades are, are looking for people, but now they don't have the same skill set. It, whereas the guy who went to trade school, now he, he's got his choice. You know, the welder's got 50 jobs lined up. He can, he can pick and choose. Um, if, if we continue that, I think maybe there's a way to go. You know, we have a lot, always have an uh, immigration issue. Maybe, maybe there's a way to bring people, you know, start bringing people from other countries and people who are willing to work that want to work hard. You know, hardworking people has always been what, what's kept this country going, um, you know, and, and people from all over the world. It's always been and always will be. And maybe we need to delve into that more, say, like, uh, you know, put, put more work visas out there, getting people from, from other countries that, hey, if you're, if you're hardworking, you want to come here and work, you have a skill set you know, in manufacturing, in a trade, you know, it's, and start bringing those people in. We can offer, you know, higher paying jobs, you know, better quality of life and, and, uh, and bring in those skills from elsewhere if we, can, uh, if we can't get it here. Because I think it will, it will be a problem. If, if it's a problem now, I think, unfortunately, that problem is going to grow unless, unless we do something about it. Get more people into the trades or, 
you know, we have to source those skilled people elsewhere. Yeah. I think there's some good points there. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with different people in the manufacturing sector about that topic. And I think some of the conclusions I'm drawing are, you know, a, we need to change the perception of manufacturing in the minds of, um, those who are preparing to enter the workforce as well as their parents. And, you know, there's, I think a perception of what manufacturing is that is, is outdated and there's, um, you know, it's, it's a different world now than 20, 30 years ago. There's a lot of interesting technology. There's more emphasis on creating safe, clean, you know, workplaces where people actually want, want to be. And I, I think, so I think that's part of changing, changing the perception of what a manufacturing job is. Um, I think there's reaching underrepresented demographics in manufacturing, um, more, you know, exposure and outreach to women, to, um, you know, people from dif different ethnic backgrounds that are not traditionally you know, present in manufacturing, um, you know, parts of our, our community that just haven't, haven't been, uh, you know, looked at manufacturing as, as a, an option before and wind up in retail or wound up in, you know, other places that you maybe would default to. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's some of that. And then I think there's automation and robotics and the accessibility of, of, um, new technologies that fall into those categories that probably were not as accessible, due to cost and infrastructure needed maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. And now you see, uh, I mean, there's so many great companies that are helping uh, deploy robots in settings where they, you know, it would have previously taken really large, you know, capital investments um, and changes to infrastructure. So I think the, I think you're going to see a lot of that helping. It's going to be a necessity to help fill that, that void. So these are just kind of some of the, the trends I'm picking up on and things that I'm hearing from other manufacturing leaders. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I think manufacturing has changed and I think it's not what, you know, the, the dirty, uh, the dirty factory floor that people thought it was, uh, it's, it's manufacturing, you know, you're, you're, whacking a sledgehammer against some steel in a dirty factory like that uh, it's, it's it's not like that and it certainly hasn't uh technology has come in robotics have come in you know lasers we use lasers that, that you know things that we never never dreamed that's what we'd be doing that programming a laser that's cutting out all your metal for you you know in uh in a fraction of the time um and someone's you know there's people who have to program those lasers so it, it's much different the, the the jobs that are out there where you're not just uh you know grinding away in a dirty factory floor you know there's a lot of uh you know better quality uh quality jobs um you know with the robotics the computers that come into the manufacturing um i think it's it's really opened up for people in the in the variety of jobs that are available in manufacturing um i think has, has broadened over the years and it's not, it's not what manufacturing was decades ago. Yeah. These are all, all truths. And I think it's a matter of uh, disseminating that message to the right people and, and mm -hmm. again, changing perception. Yeah. Yep. We need an ad campaign. Yeah. Get an ad campaign out there for manufacturing. Like it's <laughs> indeed. Well, I think there's some great advocates out there. I've had a number of them on this mm -hmm. show actually that are helping do that, but it's a, uh, you know, it's a one, one step at a time and it's going to yes. take time, but, um, yep. Yep, it certainly will. I see some. It took, took us a long time to get into the position we're in now. It did. You know, to, to where we we offshored things. It does doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It won't won't happen overnight to get it all back. But at least it's good to know we're uh, our, our thinking has changed, the mindset's changed, and I think we're we're changing direction and heading in a better uh, 
down a better road now. Yeah. And I, think, I think it's coming back and will. Like I said, just take a little time. Certainly. Uh, Brandon, I like to always make these conversations actionable when possible. So, you know, if you're a manufacturing leader listening right now and you're thinking about becoming a truly made in America business um, or trying to move in that direction, um, what are the questions that you should be asking yourself right now? I think I think there's a few questions and it's just knowing right off the bat, it, it's not it's not simple. It's not a not a one size fits all that you're just like, hey, let, let's let's go made in, made in America. You know, it's, it, it's the trend. Everyone's going for that. It might not be a good fit for everyone. Um, I think you want to ask yourself, like, why, why do you want to do that? Why is it important to you? Um, I know there are other companies out there that exist that are manufacturing things in America because they couldn't, their story is that they, they couldn't find it. They couldn't find that product made in the U S so, so you found it like a there, there's nothing that exists. So there it is. You, you, you met that demand. You know, there's a demand for something that's not existing and, and create something that can be made in the U.S. That would be, you know, there, there's a good reason. So I think you really have to ask yourself, why are you, why are you going down that road? Uh, and that maybe making that commitment to things in the U.S., um, you know, to making sure it, it's the right fit for your company. Um, you know, is the cost involved in it, the time involved in it, um, we source our products. It's, it's, some are easier than others. Some are, are almost impossible, um, that, that take a long time. We use, um, you know, in our, in our blast cabinet, we use an led lighting system in there. And uh, it took us a, a lot of work and a long time to find what I was the only company in this country that manufactures led lights, um, in the U S um, it, it took a long time to find them, but now we did. Um, I think some others have popped up since, but you, you want to make sure you're going to have that time and the, the finances and the time to, to go down that road and look, look at vendors and where your things are coming from. Um, you know, that sourcing. And you, you may find that checking with your, your suppliers or vendors to see where, where are those products coming from. There might be a lot of products that are already made in the U.S. that you're unaware of. I know a lot of buyers are buying products in big companies and they, they don't ask because they never had to. So you might want to just, you know, dabble in that, go through, grow through your list, go through your vendors, um, find out where your supplies are coming from. You know, you, you might be surprised. A lot of them might already be coming from the U.S., or, or, or it could be the other way. You might think they are and, and they're not. Um, so you definitely have to put your, your time into that, finding out, you know, where are they coming from? Are they actually coming from made, are they actually made in the U.S.? Are they coming from this country? You can't, a simple search on a website doesn't, doesn't really work anymore. So a lot of products you look and you, you can't find. It's uh, almost like a secret, you know, and you assume they're not, but sometimes they are made in this country and they just don't, they just don't advertise it. Not everyone uses it in, in their marketing or advertising as a, as a benefit. Um, I would also ask if you're, what's your customer base? Or would it, does it matter to your customers before you put in all, all this work, the, the, the time, the money investing into that, does it make a difference to your customers or are they looking for things made in the U S or, or maybe they, they don't care. It won't, it won't make a difference to them. Um, you know, if it's, if it's just a small component, maybe that they're buying from you, maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they don't ask that question. You know, is it, is it coming from the U.S.? Maybe it, it doesn't matter. So you, you wouldn't want to put all that work and time into it if it's not going to affect your customers, if your customers don't care. Um, so I, I would 
I would pull some customers and see and just know is is that is that something that that is of value to to your customer uh, to your customer base. Um, I would also ask maybe about if it's valuable to them and what what are the effects of doing that? Like I said, it's going to be expensive. You know, you're going to have to put some time and money into sourcing those products. A lot of products made in the U.S. are are more costly. That's why a lot of people offshore and to make a cheaper product. So obviously that buying those components at a higher price, obviously is going to affect your, your end price. Um, so you're, you're going to have to increase pricing. Is that something you can do? Is that going to you know, drive off your customers? If, if your product increases 10%, is that going to be, you know, how competitive are you? Um, you know, if, if, if you're, if you have competitors out there that you're really, uh, really close to um, that all of a sudden you think, Hey, if, if we have a 10% increase, we're going to lose, lose a lot of business, then may, maybe it's not, not the right choice for you. Um, Certainly, no one wants to lose customers. But I, so I would de- definitely put uh, put some thought into it. It's it's not a uh, it's not necessarily an easy thing. You know, take takes time, a lot, a lot of a lot of research and finding those products, cost involved in it, um, and and no one as a manufacturer, no one knows your business like you do. So you really have to just ask yourself: Is is this the right fit for us and for for your customers? You know, is it going to benefit you? Is it going to benefit them? Do that? Do they want that? Great. Well, Brandon, really good conversation today. Uh, any, any, anything else you want to add that uh, I didn't ask you about? No, not really. Just hoping, uh, hopefully more people do it. Hopefully more people will see the, uh, the benefits to it, the benefits to, uh, you know, ha- having a better quality product and, uh, you know, it'll help us. It'll help the rest of the world come back and, and, and buy from the U S and, uh, you know, hopefully some more people consider it and keep this going. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I really do. And getting it out. Absolutely. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and where they can learn more about Titan Abrasive Systems? Yeah, probably the easiest way is to, uh, we're obviously, we're, we're on social media, we're on LinkedIn, but uh, probably easiest way is on, on our website. We're just titanabrasive.com. Abrasive is singular, no S. Um, phone number's on there. You can call us, email us. Um, we have a lot, of, a lot of information on our website too, some videos, our products and info. Uh, we even have some some info about, about our, our journey into to making things in the, in the, in the States and what's involved in that. So you can look at that and have any questions, feel free to give us a call, shoot us an email. Happy to help. Perfect. Well, Brandon, thanks for doing this today. Ah, no problem. Thank you. Really appreciate it. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the manufacturing executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.